0: I'm Nadelle, and I want to welcome you to Beyond the Booty podcast. I have a passion to see women thrive and take control of our health, our hearts, our identity, and our life. This podcast will focus on identity, relationships, faith, health, and so much more. It will be a place where women are encouraged to discover our worth and empowers us to thrive whole and healed in a society that celebrates brokenness. I'm so happy you've joined the conversation. Welcome to Beyond the Booty. Today, we're going to be reading Breaking Apart, Six Survival Tips for Life's Hardest Moments. When I've asked for strength, I endured hardships and discovered how strong I could be. When I asked for wisdom, I endured brokenness to seek truth. When I wanted a heart transformation, I endured deep loneliness and being uprooted. Did you ask to be changed recently? then maybe, just maybe, your trials are actually an answer to your prayer. Life is tough sometimes, and we don't always see clearly. In October of 2018, I looked down at my calendar to plan out the next three months of my travel work schedule. A trip every week, some for 12 days at a time, paired with the holidays fast approaching, sent me into a panic. I counted the number of days that I'd be home in Los Angeles over the next four months, and it was 20 days in total. I started to feel sorry for myself. I looked around my apartment near the beach and wondered why I paid the astronomical LA County rent. I thought about giving up my lease and all that I owned for the option of staying in hotels while I was home. It would certainly be cheaper. My company was in another hiring phase, which meant that I'd be interviewing training and beginning the process of being on the road for weeks and months on end again. It was never ending. I was now nearly four years into living like an employed vagabond. I had a job, but no time to enjoy anything else. I also had no community and friends stopped calling because I was never around. So I did what any overwhelmed, exhausted, and unfulfilled superwoman would do. I sucked it up, completed the task at hand, and reminded myself that I was a badass that needed nothing and no one. But then I cried. I really, really cried. The only plane ride I wanted to take was to Mexico to drink overly sweet frozen drinks by the pool, eat unlimited carbs, and order everything from the room service menu of my all-inclusive hotel. You know, the all-American, authentic Mexican experience. As I cried, I prayed, God, I just need a break. In fact, I'm not even sure it was an actual prayer. It was really more of an outburst. You know that pathetic cry you have when you really feel sorry for yourself? When all you can see are all the unfortunate parts of your pathetic existence? Yeah, I sulked in that for a while. But my desire was real. I was tired. The following week, my friend Tom called and asked if I wanted to go to Iceland. A break between trips, work trips, and Iceland itself sounded pretty cool, so I was in. I penciled our five-day trip into my already insane schedule, and in February of 2019, we flew to Iceland. Iceland is magical. We booked an epic trip full of excursions and explorations. We hiked glaciers, visited the Blue Lagoon, witnessed the Northern Lights, saw the Black Sand Beach, we explored half a dozen waterfalls, and finally on our last day, we set out to snowmobile a giant glacier. The day was doomed. We started three hours late because the guide couldn't find the keys to the truck that took us up to the glacier. As we waited, the weather conditions continued to deteriorate. The strong winds and powdery snow were not ideal conditions for a group of inexperienced tourists handling 450 pound machines. On our way back to base camp in an effort to course correct, the snowmobile that Tom and I were riding Turned too drastically and we flipped our snowmobile over. I landed under it and I was pinned. Due to the frigid conditions, we were all wearing multiple layers of clothing on our bodies and faces to keep from getting frostbite. I begged to have the layers of gear off of my face as my adrenaline surged. I was buried in snow with a snowmobile on top of me and a helmet that was getting tighter with each passing second. When the guide finally removed the machine off of my 110 pound body, I couldn't move my right leg. It would take over four hours to get us off of the glacier and to a hospital in Reykjavik to confirm that my ankle was broken in two places. Two doctors in Iceland confirmed definite surgery and sent me out in a splint and European forearm crutches. Those are the kind that actually don't go under your arm and are from the devil in my opinion after I refused the procedure in Iceland. The next day was a series of challenges that I was not ready for. My attempt at bathing in the hotel room following the hospital visit was a sight to behold as I literally launched myself over the unusually high tub, trying to keep my right leg elevated out of the bathwater. I similarly fell out of the tub when I was done and nearly broke my other leg. I had no idea how to navigate packing, standing, or moving. I stood in the middle of my room and I laugh cried at my predicament. I hopped down to the lobby where our driver lifted me into his SUV. I was completely useless. Tom and I were headed to separate parts of the US. I was returning to LA and Tom was heading to the East Coast. Then reality began to hit me. I just broke my right driving leg. I live alone. How am I going to shower with a cast? Who's going to be there for surgery? Will my ankle ever recover to work out again? How am I going to travel for work? I had another three months booked out. And how does one crutch and do anything? Needless to say, I became completely overwhelmed at the thought of my life. To make matters a bit more devastating, it was confirmed that 29C was the only seat available due to a completely full flight. I had no option to upgrade. How would I elevate my already swollen leg for a 13 hour trip home? The tears wouldn't stop flowing, and the check in crew was less than caring about my situation. We were directed to a waiting area to get a wheelchair. We waited as long as we could before risking missing our flights, and then we moved on without assistance. Tom was doing the best that he could to get me and our bags to my gate before he had to go find his. I cried a bit more at how helpless and dependent I was. That is when the miracles began. In a sequence of encounters, my perspective began to shift from my unfortunate state to what could be going on. Were my prayers being answered? I turned my head toward the voice shouting my name repeatedly, wondering how someone in Iceland knew me. We were 15 minutes into the middle of the airport at this point. It was the representative from the wheelchair service, Aaron. He had come looking for us. Because of Aaron and my new mode of transportation, we bypassed every line and cleared customs in under two minutes. Tom and I said goodbye, and I was taken to the wheelchair waiting area. Aaron parked me at the entrance of the jet bridge, handing me off to the flight crew. There, I met Jen, who was traveling with her two best friends. they just completed a trip to Amsterdam and then Iceland. Jen was sitting in the wheelchair while her friends stood around her. They were all laughing and chatting. They all asked about my leg and sympathized with my struggle as I complained for several minutes about what I was going through. I talked about the seat situation, the surgery to come, the driving challenges. How will I get my bag in Seattle? I went on and on. They empathized and encouraged me. Jen didn't miss a beat to offer up her friends to help with my bag in Seattle, and they wholeheartedly agreed. After I was done complaining and being self-absorbed, I asked Jen what's up with her. I sink in my wheelchair when she tells me that she's been given nine months to live because she has lung and bone cancer. Yes, it is appropriate to stop and cringe at me now. I certainly cringed at myself. This trip was her 12th country in two months. A bucket list, she says, smiling. I see some sadness, but deep joy pours out of her too. She never complains while we talk. We both get rolled onto the ramp and we continue to chat about pain pills and she offers me an option from her variety pack. I decline and reach my arm out for her and we squeeze hands. Jen is the epitome of strength. She has stopped fearing death and carries peace when she has every right to be angry. We part ways at 19C where Jen takes her assigned seat. I crutch back to 29C and sit for a moment while my crutches are put away by the flight attendant. As the plane fills up, a man named Chuck takes the window seat in my row. Chuck tells me that he's a doctor. His title gives me some comfort. The flight attendant comes to discuss the fact that they have their medical kit ready in case we need to cut the splint off mid-flight due to the swelling. As Chuck and I discuss the snowmobile accident... A nice man who's about 6'3 and 300 pounds assumes the middle seat separating Chuck and I. He spills into both of our seats. Chuck leans over and looks at me and grimaces at the thought of our new roommate. For his own sake, but mostly for mine. Our flight was going to be very, very long. The journey ahead didn't feel doable. My leg was throbbing with pain and swelling up with every minute that I didn't have it elevated. I think of Jen in 19C and tell myself that I can do this. I close my eyes to keep from crying, and I open them a few minutes later when the flight attendant is standing above me. She instructs the gentleman in the middle seat to come with her. She has an aisle seat for him. A last-minute no-show, it'll give you some room, she says, winking. I sit there, grateful, my face in a state of shock at how merciful God is being to me despite my internal tantrum. I turn to Chuck, who is smiling and mouths a silent thank you for having a broken leg. Chuck quickly assures me that I can have both seats to elevate my leg. He offers up his window so that I can lean back and put my foot up on his lap. Throughout the flight, he checks my toes for color and sensation and offers to take me to the ER in Seattle if my foot is too bad after the first leg. He calls his wife with a possible change of plans. Chuck became my angel in the sky. I have to note, I'm very uncomfortable being vulnerable. I'm the person that takes care of others. I'm the person who likes to always be in control and has issues with receiving help. It's something that I'm working on because as much as I like to pretend this is strength, this is actually rooted in fear. Two hours into the flight, I finally fall asleep, my legs still on Chuck's lap, when Jen wakes me up. She's at our row, standing over Chuck, yelling my name and waving $20 at me, insisting on buying me dinner. It goes against my nature, but I take it knowing it blesses her to help me today. My heart is bursting at her kindness. I'm speechless as Chuck looks at me with confusion about what just happened, so I share a bit of Jen's story with him. You see, the human connection between Jen, Chuck, and myself is beautiful, and I wouldn't have had it if I wasn't broken in this moment and in need of the incredible humans around me. By the time I landed in Los Angeles on Sunday, my friend Diego used his connections to get me in with two specialists first thing Monday morning. You can imagine my moment with God when the ankle specialist at Cedar sinai said, no surgery, looks clean, should heal up nicely on its own. I thought she was joking, so I blurted, what? She looked at me puzzled, but repeated herself nonetheless. You will not require surgery. The ankle is broken, but it's lined up nicely and it's clean. You will wear a boot for eight weeks, no flying, Or travel for work, no driving, you will need to take a break, she concluded. If she only knew what she had just said. An answer to prayer, figuratively and literally. The eight weeks that followed were the first time in over 12 years that I'd slowed down enough to think and reduce the speed on my 100 mile an hour cruise control life. I thought about the career that I was in, about what was important to me and what my passions were. I reconnected to people and friends and family. I started writing again and I connected daily with God on an even deeper level. I also stopped long enough to foster a new relationship with a healthy man and reclaimed a beautiful friendship with a girlfriend from the past. The break gave me perspective about the life I was only existing in. One thing is certain, we will all have troubles in this life. Some are big and some are simply big to us. I have come to know this about God. He's more concerned with our heart, our character, and our purpose than he is with taking away temporary pain. How we persevere and what we carry out of the valley is what counts. So here are my six keys to surviving the curveballs that life throws at us. Number one, Perspective is everything. It's so easy to become discouraged when things break, they don't go our way, or when what we expected doesn't go as planned. God is always up to something, and when the answer is no or not right now, I trust that something better is in store. There's always a lesson in the waiting and in the wilderness. Look for these moments and ask yourself what God might be up to. You are special and unique and you carry a purpose only you can fulfill. He hasn't forgotten about you. What good things can come out of your trial and how are you growing in the midst? If we really pay attention, there could very well be beauty in the temporary pain and growth that we wouldn't have otherwise gained. Number two, ask for help. We cannot survive alone long term. God began working on my unhealthy response to receiving help. I was put in a position where I needed help and I had to be humbled enough to take it. I had no choice. I needed people to help me with groceries, rides, taking stairs, and buying me a chair so that I could shower. If we never let people do anything for us, we're stealing their joy to be givers. Asking for help is a sign of strength and confidence. Doing everything in our power is rooted in fear. It's a fear of being disappointed, rejected, and appearing weak. Number three, humility is a part of maturity. We can either get there with his gentle nudging or we can get there publicly, kicking and screaming, but eventually each of us is going to be humbled in our quest to grow. If you're going through a trial, go help someone else with something. Your time, your resources, you can volunteer. It takes you out of your own bubble. Number four, we multiply what we focus on. Look, I can be very cynical. I've met people who have used me. I've watched people hate each other outwardly. And I've seen those who were entrusted to lead abuse their platforms. As a result, I've put up walls out of fear and took the safe road of riding solo. We can easily become cynical if we choose to focus on the bad stuff, or we can choose to see the love, kindness, and good that's out there. Jen and Chuck, the flight attendants, the man from the wheelchair services who came looking for me, Diego and Tom, were all angels. People are good. We all need these reminders so that we can multiply love. Anything else results in a lack of peace and joy within us. Look for the good and you'll find it. Look for the bad, and you'll find that, too. Number five, prayers work, maybe just not how we expected. The break and my ability to stop going a million miles an hour shifted my entire perspective and was the catalyst for the life change that I made just seven months later when I resigned from my career to pursue the dreams that God put in my heart. Prayers may not always be answered like we want, but since God knows what we really need, it's often wise to trust that his plans are probably better. The path between two Iceland doctors confirming surgery and an LA doctor saying no surgery was paved in prayer. That's all I'll say about that. Number six, embrace the curveballs. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is a Bible verse out of Romans 5 3 and 4. Without suffering and hard times, we will never grow. A good dose of hardship shapes our character. Every time I needed to be humbled, corrected, changed, or needed my character tuned up, it came through some kind of challenge. If we never need saving, we're never going to encounter the savior. Perhaps in the worst breaks, we're actually being put back together better than we were before. Perhaps in the breaks, we discover who we were actually meant to be, and we go from surviving to thriving. Perhaps in the breaks, we become whole as we persevere and gain another dose of wisdom, of perspective, and of love. What are you going through today that feels big? And can you see any miracles unfolding in the midst? Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, like, and share. I'd love to hear from you.